Welcome to A Rock and a Hard Place, the podcast that explores why minerals matter, their importance to society, and the role they will play in the low-carbon future. I'm your host, Thomas Hale, a graduate student exploring the mineral security nexus at the University of Delaware in the Minerals, Materials, and Society program. Join me as I speak with leading experts in the field of critical minerals to discuss some of the most pressing challenges facing society and learn more about their experience working in this emerging space. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of A Rock and a Hard Place. I'm your host, Thomas Hale. This episode, I'm joined by Simon Jowett, a tenured associate professor of economic geology at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. He has a bachelor's degree in geology from the University of Edinburgh, a master's in mining geology from the Camborne School of Mines, and a PhD from the University of Leicester, all in the UK. Simon also spent eight years at Monash University in Melbourne, Australia, initially as a three-year postdoctoral research fellow working with Anglo-American before moving to his current position at UNLV. His research focuses on the use of GM chemistry to unravel geological processes and a variety of settings with direct application to understanding not only mineralizing systems, but also igneous petrology, mineral exploration, global tectonics, and the links between magmatism and metallogeny. He also has undertaken extensive research on mineral economics, global metal resources, and the security of supply of these critical elements, and the economic side of economic geology, as demonstrated by a number of recent publications on global base, precious, and critical mineral and mineral resources, and the impact of COVID-19 on the global minerals industry. Simon also studies the environmental impact of mining and the potential uses of mining in other ways for metal production and CO2 sequestration. He has published more than 100 scientific papers and peer-reviewed book chapters since 2010, is currently the Vice President for Student Affairs for the Society of Economic Geologists, SEG, and was awarded the SEG's Watermar Lindgren Award in 2014. Thanks, Simon, for coming on the podcast. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. So I always like to start off the conversation by learning a little bit more about my guests and how they got involved in the world of geoscience and mining. So tell me a little bit more about your journey from the UK to Australia and now the United States to your current position at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Well, I guess at high school, I didn't do geology at high school. So I did geography at high school and I was always interested in the physical side of geography and not so much interested in the human, like urban planning side of geography. So geology kind of seemed a logical way for me to be able to do one without doing the other. I ended up signing up for a geology undergraduate at Edinburgh. And towards the end of that, I guess I thought I needed a job. My original intent was to go into the minerals industry and hence I did like a master's in mining geology. And then the PhD opportunities came around and then the postdoc opportunity came around. And so I fell into a groove and that groove has led me to where I am now at the UNLV and doing the research that I'm doing at the minute. So it's been a pretty fortuitous, but I think everybody needs a bit of luck in life. Did you ever think that you'd be working on critical minerals or talking about it as much as you were when you started your journey into academia? No. <laughs> um, I started off, my PhD was on basically volcanogenic massive sulfide deposits, so copper zinc with a bit of gold. And then I started working on magmatic sulfide systems, so nickel, copper, platinum group elements. And critical minerals were kind of being discussed then, but weren't hugely important compared to like base metals and precious metals. And I guess I was working on some aspects of critical metals that even thinking about their criticality before. And obviously criticality was only first defined, I guess, in the late 2000s. So uh, it's been an increasingly important part of my research, but I think it's becoming increasingly important for everybody to think about. Most definitely. So for those that are not familiar, 
I like to talk about economic geology. So what is it and how does it differ from other fields in geoscience? And most importantly, when we talk about critical minerals, why is it an essential course and skill set to know in today's time? So economic geology is essentially, to distill it down, it's the geology of metal and mineral deposits. So it's not really hydrocarbons. It's basically the geology of the deposits that we get all of our metals and minerals like graphite from. That means it's succinct from or different from other aspects of geoscience because it incorporates bit all, well, a whole range of other bits of geoscience. So if you're looking at gold deposits in northern Nevada, you need to know about fluid flow. You'll need to know about sedimentary units, so a bit of sedimentology. You'd need to know about magmatic fluids and magmatic systems. You need to know about structural geology. So we combine bits and pieces of all of that in order to understand mineralizing systems. That feeds into actually finding new mineral deposits, because unless you understand the system from a first principles basis, you can't then use that information to predict where you might find more or even detect new areas of mineralization. Uh, In terms of critical minerals, obviously, some critical minerals like uh, lithium, you need to understand the lithium mineralizing system to actually detect or identify new areas that are prospective for lithium. For byproduct and co-product critical metals, the likes of kind of cobalt or tellurium or selenium, then you actually need to know about the processes that actually concentrate those phases into distinct minerals and where they actually are in an ore body. Because unless you understand that, there's no way on earth you'll be able to actually extract those minerals during processing or enhance the extraction potential of a given deposit. Economic geology and stuff I and many others do is kind of important for critical minerals because we need to know essentially where they are in mineralizing systems and where we're likely to find them both now and into the future and how we can make the most of those mineral deposits that we have already. So if there's a student that's going to go take a class on economic geology, what would they expect to learn in that course? What are some of the fundamental components that you teach? And then what jobs would they go out and get? I mean, there's a whole massive discussion about workforce issues in the mining sector from the metallurgy side or mining engineering, but even from an economic geology side, what would they expect to learn and what jobs could they look for when they get out of the school? I'll run you through the syllabus I've been teaching this semester, if you like. Basically, the first kind of lecture or two I gave this semester is just on the importance of minerals and metals in everyday life. And the fact that if you look around you in the built environment, everything has to be, the classic saying, if it's not grown, it's mined. And a lot of students, a lot of people don't actually kind of realize that until you point it out to them. They assume that these things just turn up one day at the shop and then they can purchase them and and they go forward. So unless you actually talk to them about the importance of metals and minerals to the smartphone they've got in their pocket, they don't realize it. We go through kind of typical mineral deposit systems, outlining high-temperature magmatic systems that form nickel deposits through to low-temperature things like banded iron formation, essentially covering the vast majority of mineral systems, not in a huge amount of detail, but just to introduce them, and they can specialize in later courses if they wish. And we look at Nevada, and obviously we're based here in the state, and we need to understand the mineralizing systems and the, even the bit about the history of exploration here. We cover aspects like how you find mineral deposits, so exploration techniques, geochemistry, geophysics, and so on. And then the last couple of lectures in the course I gave is putting all of that back into kind of a wider or small, you might call it a social context. So looking at like the importance of minerals and metals for things like climate change mitigation and how the fact that we're mining more than we ever have done before is already an interesting fact. But the fact is we're going to have to mine even more than that if we want to do anything meaningful about climate change mitigation. I tried to throw some real life experience into the 
syllabus by getting them to think about, well, okay, here's a theoretical million dollars. Where would you look to find some mineral deposits in Nevada and how would you find it? And we do an exploration simulation exercise. So basically they're given a, an online platform where they're given some geological information, some money and told this is how much it costs to drill, this is how much it costs to analyze the drill core and so on, assess this property and, and things like this. So it's essentially training them getting them to think about the appliance of science. They've learned a lot about the theoretical side of geoscience. It's how you actually apply that to understand mineralizing systems and what the minerals industry means to them as people, as well as geoscience students, but also the fact that there's a huge amount of employment opportunity in the minerals industry, from everything from exploration through mineral resource management, mining geology, mineral processing, and through to environmental and hydrocarbon, and not hydrocarbon, Environmental and you know, hydrology, you know, fluid flow and things like that, and how this water is obviously crucial to the minerals industry and all those aspects. And I'll tell you, actually, explain to them what's involved in, in mining in the minerals industry. They don't really know what opportunities are out there. And certainly the workforce is, we're having to import people from other countries, from Canada, from Australia, from the, even from the UK, to come and work in mineral deposits and mines here in in the US. So why not actually use some of our homegrown talent? And that's what we're trying to do at UNLV. And here in Virginia, especially, we had the NSF report or National Academy of Science report that just came out on gold mining in Virginia. That was a recent report that came out. The Canadian companies involved in that. We have the uranium deposit here, Coles Hill, and there's a Canadian company wanted by that. But there's very little Virginia students that are able to go out and learn about our economic resources here in the state, which are not as big as Nevada's, of course. But still, I mean, you bring up really good points about that. I was going to ask, are there any students that take your courses that are not necessarily geology students? Because one of the things that I've thought about here in Washington, D.C. and in my own studies is that I come from it from a more political security perspective. And you can apply the technical side of things, but I don't see many international affairs students ever being introduced to some of these important components and then they go out into policy and they're being asked all these questions and they've never thought about the material needs of developing in another country or the material supply chain for your defense strategy. These are things that people don't think about. Do you get any students like that? Not at the minute. I've obviously, we, at the moment, well, we get geology students and environmental geoscience students, the students we have in our department. But certainly, I've been having discussions about, I guess, what you might term the lack of kind of mineral economics related education opportunities and that's sort of what you're focusing on is that area between geoscience and between policy and the economic side of things that is really crucial for people to understand but it's actually a little bit underdone here in the US or globally in fact there's not a huge amount of places or, or people actually teaching or doing research in mineral economics especially on the more geoscience side of things rather than the kind of pure economic side of things I think there's certainly a lot of opportunity for educating others outside of the geoscience. And I think that's an important thing because I'm sure you know and you've discussed many times the importance of things like critical minerals to modern society, to climate change mitigation. And the fact is, unless people actually realize that and realize the kind of material cost of their Tesla or other electric vehicles that are available, they don't fully realize the importance of mining and so on. So I think there's both the education side of things and also just outreach. I can talk to other economic geologists who all I like and inform them about the importance of the minerals industry. 
And certainly some people in the geoscience don't realize the importance of mining in the minerals industry, but we need to get that message out there and engage more effectively with the kind of general public and others who are certainly being asked about the importance of the minerals industry and need to know about it. Well, I'll get back to you in four years after I'm done my PhD, and I'll be working on that. So the next question that I had is, there's been a lot of conversations, of course, after COVID-19 with some of my former guests about the impact of COVID on this global minerals industry. But you've actually conducted some research into this issue. So what were some of your key findings or takeaways when living in a post-COVID economy in the mineral sector? How did the pandemic change the way we think about supply chains, but also critical minerals? I think it highlighted to everybody the importance of supply chains and the fact that many of our supply chains are insecure for a variety of reasons. That can apply for anything from car parts or silicon chips that go into cars to critical minerals. And I think before the pandemic, people didn't really, or policymakers, or basically not many people at all, actually thought about supply chains. So the pandemic has highlighted the fragility of those supply chains and what happens when a key commodity or a key component or whatever, like it's going into manufactured products or onto the shelves to be purchased at a supermarket, what happens if one of those kind of links in the chain breaks? And the fact that those chains are often pretty weak and COVID highlighted that, but also things like ships getting stuck in the Suez Canal and things like this actually highlighted this. So the other thing is that one of the things that our research showed is that basically different metals are affected in different ways by things like the pandemic. So we saw some metals spike in price and then slump in price after mitigation effects were put into place. We saw the effect of kind of South Africa shutting down their mines on the, the platinum group element prices. And so there's a variety of different things. And I think that's crucial for both looking at the effects of things like COVID on metals and minerals, but also just thinking about critical minerals in general. There's no one solution for everything. You've got to consider different commodities because they have their own influences. They're influenced by different factors to other metals. And I think that's one of the things about the critical metals. We can't lump them all together. We've got to consider them individually and derive individual solutions for securing better critical metal supply. That's a very good point. I mean, one of the things that I kind of get a little flustered with in Washington, D.C. is the lumping of everything together, looking at critical minerals as critical minerals and not taking into account that nuance that comes with each and their own geologies and their own economies and their own supply chains and very different stakeholders that require different approaches. I do want to ask just really quick, is there a terminology that you prefer? So there's things like critical minerals, technology, metals, there's so many things. I know in academia gets aggravating to see so many. There's actually a report, I don't know if you've read it yet, that came out two days ago talking about disruptive materials and so what's the terminology that you like to tell students? And I go with critical minerals or critical materials, but is there any thought on that? I'm a critical metals and minerals person. So I think if you say critical metals, by definition, you're excluding things like graphite because that's not a metal. If you talk about critical minerals, then some of the things that we consider critical are actually processed metals rather than the, the minerals that they're derived from. So from a kind of geoscientific viewpoint, I'm a critical minerals plus metals person. Well, this wraps up part one of my conversation with Simon. Join us for part two as we discuss the value of understanding both the technical aspects of mining and policies related to it, the mining of tailings and other ways to acquire new supply, and his recent work on quantifying global critical mineral and elements supply. Thank you for joining us on another episode of A Rock and a Hard Place. Be sure to follow me on LinkedIn and check out our website at Mineral Choices for more content. If you would like to be a guest on our podcast or contribute to our website, then please reach out to me. 
We love hearing from you, so do get in touch. We'll see you next time.